The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4161 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. It is Monday, the 3rd of August. We're recording on a Monday. Who knew Mondays even existed? I mean, it's like we're doing last week's news, like tonight. I'm Andy Zaltzman, and I'm in London, the city very badly named if you want to avoid where you live fitting nicely into two-word policies involving the word lockdown. I'm recording live, as always, uh, now in the shed, in a little inter-cricket gap in my reality-avoiding schedule. And joining me from the west coast of the USA, it's the soon-to-be father who will very imminently have a whole new person to explain this f***ing planet to. Good luck with that. To Hari Kondabolu. I, I chose the best time to have a kid. <laughs> there is no better time than now during a pandemic. And but it's quite possible that you're, neither you or the child will be allowed out for 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like growing up At the age well. of 25, the child will say, What did it used to be like? Was it true about the trees, Daddy? <laughs> They were made of wood. (laughs) What does a cloud look like, Daddy? (laughs) Well, also joining us from a smaller distance, as you've already heard, uh, a smaller distance depending on which way you go, of course, it's uh, it's Mark Steele. Hello, hello, Mark. Hello. Um, How's how's your lockdown been? Well, I hate it. (laughs) And uh, the worst thing is these people go, oh, it's marvellous, I've had such an absolutely wonderful time. I was all morning all morning in a pottery class on TikTok, <laughs> and then I was learning flamenco on WhatsApp, and then I had a 17-course meal with my friends from Guatemala on, on FaceTime, and it was just <laughs> glorious and wonderful. And I just and then we made a, we recreated every series of Doctor Who using hand sanitizer <laughs> as a TARDIS, and it was just wonderful. They can f*** off. It's, it's just, I get through it, but it's shit, isn't it? You're not meant to be locked in. <laughs> True, true. I mean, you, I'm not. I'm, I can't, you can't argue with that. You can't. You can't argue with that. <laughs> you know, don't Although, enjoy it. Go well. I've enjoyed it, but it's like, oh, there's, there's, a, there's a new virus. Means everybody gets set fire to. Oh, I'm just embracing it. <laughs> Flames up my ass. I never knew that I could enjoy them so much. It's just wonderful, wonderful. All my limbs are charred. Just wonderful. I can't. Just, just get on with it. Just, just you know. Put up with it, but don't enjoy it, <laughs> bloody hermit. You could have stayed in before if you'd wanted. It's not a good thing you have to, is it? <laughs> a, a rare voice of sanity in this confusing world, <laughs> as always. Uh, yeah, so, Hori, it's well, well, under a month till your personal your personal D-Day. <laughs> oh, it's cute. Um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Less, uh, less that we're talking about. Uh, less than three weeks until uh, I will officially be done with comedy and most other aspects of my life. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll come back in twenty years, like everything else. It's, yeah. oh, that's that's great. You know, yeah. because because you know, stand-up careers tend to work that way. Like, it's best if you stay out of the spotlight for a couple of decades. Yeah, and I did the... not. I did not get where I am today by looking for the spotlight. <laughs> oh no! I, no, wait a sec. <laughs> so no, no things things are great though. I'm I'm very happy. Good. Well, well. Uh, good luck. It, it, good. I, enjoy. It's the wrong the wrong word. For, <laughs> well, anyway, um, we are recording on the third of August on this day in the year fourteen ninety two. Christopher Columbus 
set sail from Spain on his first trip to the Americas. What the fuck were you thinking? And where were the compulsory staycations when this planet really needed them? Um, on this day in 1527, the first known letter was sent from the Americas to Britain by uh, John Rutt, who had landed in St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada. The letter included the line, Man, did they get cranky when I asked if they were American, as well as some confusion about the rules of ice hockey. And on this day in 1946, the world's first themed amusement park opened, Santa Claus Land, in the town of Santa Claus, Indiana, was opened uh, in a, a, a fit of post-war Christmasiness. Uh, it's now known as uh, Holiday World and Splash in Safari. The PC Brigade stealing Christmas again and making a splash around in lion-infested swimming pools just in case anyone whose auntie was eaten by a shark in a lion outfit one Christmas gets offended by people swimming without being attacked by a big cat. Typical. The uh, the, the theme park has uh, broadened its themage uh, from its original Santa Claus Land uh, incarnation after a new ride in the 1980s. Manger Mayhem prompted multiple complaints due to its, quote, graphically realistic depiction of childbirth and obviously fake and occasionally foul-mouthed archangels. The, the village of Santa Claus, Indiana. Have you ever been there, Harry, in your travels around America? S- Santa Claus, Indiana? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, I have a feeling if I went to something that deep in Indiana, you wouldn't be speaking to me right now. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, named after, um, uh, well, Santa Claus, the uh, proto-hipster, consumer communist and workplace uh, health and safety sceptic. It's the only municipality in the world where it is legal to break into people's houses, provided that you do so via the chimney. And uh, also, interestingly enough, it's where the Christmas cracker was invented in 1875 during a pistol shootout in a saloon bar between two elf impersonators squabbling over a toilet roll. Um, as always... Wait, so, wait, so the, uh, a Christmas cracker is another nickname for Santa Claus? <laughs> you, I mean, did you have... I don't know, because obviously we have we're very different Christmas traditions, uh, you know, on, on opposite sides... Of the Atlantic, and in, in in my family, obviously we 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 just sit around saying it's all it's all a fraud, and right, uh, right. he 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 stole our market share, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> is 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 the cracker the uh, is that a, is that a part of American Christmas tradition? Um, I should tell you, Andy, I might not be the right one to ask as right. a Hindu. Right. Uh, well, I mean, you've, you've lived in America for a while. I've, I had never heard of the Christmas cracker until I came to the UK. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I had no, no Christmas crackers. I don't unless it's just not a thing I've been exposed to. Again, my Christmas uh, was made up of a plastic Christmas tree, uh, a few presents, and no knowledge of the Bible whatsoever. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, I guess. You've got enough things going bang in America without. Uh, well, I guess that's you know, what happens with different different gun laws. You end up with or without Christmas crackers. Yeah, um, so yeah. Christmas crackers is uh, is what we call uh, gun violence <laughs> around the Lord's birthday. Yeah. Potato, potato. As always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin, and this week, with uh, rumours that the government in Britain is uh, going to lock down people over 50, uh, sorry Mark, but it turns out you are entirely obsolete as a human being, we have a special tool for our elder buglers, 
uh, to uh, those over the age of 50 to make you sound like you're younger than you are. Uh, special section here with tips uh, for how to sound like you are like 10 or like even like 20 years like not as like old as you like like would like 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 to like to like be. Uh, also a voice de graveler which can make me sound like this. Uh, having a few teething troubles with that. And uh, also, uh, to help you sound younger, an optimismificator. To help turn phrases such as these things never turn out well into the kind of phrase a younger person might still use. Hope translated into, I'm sure everything will be fine. Or the phrase, we need to learn the lessons of history, and the lessons of history tell us that we'll definitely f*** it up, into the younger, this time, this time. Or the phrase, everything we know and love is disintegrating before our very eyes into the hopeful, youthful phrase, there will definitely be a vaccine soon. And that section, in the bin. Oh, I quite like it. When they come round, does someone from the council come round and nail you in? And if you can go like, like a monster, it's only like 23 and shit, isn't it? Like your monster's going to stay in the crib on that. Like, they're unfair, you're getting me fun. I think, I think you'll like, be fine. We're going to leave this chap in. <laughs> My son hates it when I do that. We don't sound nothing like that, innit? <laughs> he doesn't do it so much now. When he was about 16, he did. Yeah, like a couple from Croydon and shit, innit? You live about 50 yards from South Norwood Boating Lakes. <laughs> it's like, when there's no wind and shit, you get me fam, like, you know, like, it's like, like, bear calm, innit? It means, like, you can't go out and tap nothing across the lake and shit. <laughs> Top story this week, the American election is off, um, potentially in the mind of uh, President Donald Trump, Egocrat of the Year once again in Megalomania Monthly magazine. The New York Times has uh, ran with a headline this week, Donald Trump does not like what he sees in his crystal ball. That's possibly because what he sees in his crystal ball is history slapping him in the face with a frozen turd of despair. Uh, Hari, as um, our correspondent for the slow disintegration of America as a credible nation, um, how, how do you respond to the, the uh, you know, Trump's latest suggestions that, that the election could be delayed and that, that postal voting threatens the very core of your nation? Well, let me first respond to the phrase frozen turd of despair, because <laughs> uh, that implies there are, are happy turds, turds <laughs> that are filled with joy. Uh, I mean, most are unfrozen, but I'm going to question that particular <laughs> phrase. Okay, uh, we'll get the lawyers involved. But yeah, I, I think uh, I'm I'm in the rare opinion that pushing the election would be a good thing. Right. Uh, most people in his party disagree. Democrats obviously disagree. But let me let me bring up two major points. Okay. If you push the election later, it means there will be more public Trump rallies during COVID, which would kill off some of his voting bloc. <laughs> right? That's useful. Uh, secondly, and this I think to me is the more important point, the longer Trump is in office, and uh, which implies that COVID will continue to be bad, uh, it's more likely that rent in New York City will keep going down since fewer people will move there allowing a young father to <laughs> be able to perhaps afford a second bedroom, perhaps even a third bedroom, <laughs> at prices not seen in New York since the late 70s. 1870s or 1970s? Oh, 1870s. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, look, it, 
clearly, uh, I think he's trying to push the election, which he can't even do, by the way. That's not even... He, he actually has no constitutional power to do that. You need an, an amendment to be able to, to change just an approval of two houses of Congress. Uh, so apparently, this might be surprising, but he just made it up. <laughs> apparently, that's not a thing. You, it's almost as if he's a giant liar <laughs> who knows nothing about American democracy and won the 2016 election as a result of racism, sexism, and uneducated American populace, and potentially tampering from Russia. It's almost <laughs> just like that. It just it makes me worry, I think, uh, because it, it seems... I mean, for, first of all, let me just say that he's trying to avoid jail. The longer he can keep himself in office, the longer all these cases that are open will like not get resolved and, and he can stay out of jail so i think that's kind of oh is that a real possibility i think so wouldn't it be brilliant I think if that... he actually manages to do one of his carry out one of his promises and put hillary clinton in jail and then he gets put in the <laughs> same cell <laughs> <laughs> that is a sitcom waiting to happen <laughs> i mean i feel like I mean, the press is wondering whether it's going to be a, a peaceful transition, and now they're worried that if if Trump is trying to push the election, even if that's no possibility, it, it's kind of a hint that there won't be a, a peaceful handing over of, of powers. And, and f*** no, it won't be peaceful. What, <laughs> what gives you any indication that he will handle losing well? He doesn't handle winning well. <laughs> He's been asking to lock up Hillary Clinton for four years. She lost the election. <laughs> this is going to be a shit show. <laughs> Jimmy Carter is going to have to monitor elections in America. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, He's expressed a great concern about the, the potential for postal vote fraud um which i guess is understandable from his point of view when you've got a pandemic ravaging your country uh, largely due to your own flamboyantly incompetent leadership when your national economy is crumbling like a depressed cliff on a particularly rough ocean coastline when you're sending in troops against your own people when you're busy saying i wish her well about a rich white woman charged with horrific sex trafficking offenses who's evaded justice for over a year in somewhat stark contrast with what you've said about for example less rich less white people proved innocent of crimes they had not committed i guess when you're doing all those things you probably think well we can't have a few hundred dodgy ballots spoiling the unsullyable purity of our democratic process <laughs> you've, got, you've got to st start with the things that you can you can at least control. Well, they, but the thing is, where does it? Oh, sorry, go no, ahead. but they will. The, the, the amount of like, well, Harry, you'll done this far better than me. But just the things that I've seen that have happened, even in the elections over the last couple of years, the suppression of voters is extraordinary. That that one, you know, but the Georgia, um, eight percent of the polling stations were just closed. That were all in the poorer areas. With, with, again, there was one good thing about this was, of course, it encouraged the poor to get out more in the ways that <laughs> haven't been happened. And, I, and it might be a good thing to have, the, have, the, the, have those polling stations relocated to places like the top of the Taj Mahal and the Hadron Collider <laughs> so that the poor get out rather than being stuck in their own shitty little neighbourhoods. We're helping them. <laughs> 
I, it just <laughs> the amount of things and there was hundreds of thousands of people are taken off the registers aren't they because their name doesn't fit exactly what's on the card and the card that the bureaucracy have will be wrong or there's a hyphen there was loads because there was a hyphen that was missing or something like that sorry <laughs> sir you can't vote there's a hyphen in there and then they just sent home hundreds of thousands of people so if he still loses after he's fiddled that I mean, Saddam didn't bloody fiddle elections and then still manage to lose, did he? <laughs> At least he wasn't that incompetent. Bless him. Well, I mean, there are, there are. I mean, there's billions of people not allowed to vote in the American election who, who should be allowed to, and that is the entire population of the rest of the world who, yes. who really must be allowed a say. Yes, it affects it affects us deeply. And you Americans, I mean, you're too close to it. Wouldn't you that can't, be you brilliant? Can't like in '68, if everyone in Vietnam had a vote and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, I feel that, uh, you know, Obama talked about the end of voter suppression um, and he, he called for a few steps to kind of improve it. Because even if you take out the like making it impossible to vote or like making the hours in poorer neighborhoods like end earlier or a, a whole number of other things as ID laws, even like the basics of voting in this country are are meant to suppress. Right. Like. We don't have automatic voter registration, right? That's something that he calls for. That would make things significantly easier as opposed to, to filling out paperwork to get a card to fill out more paperwork. To just, you know, <laughs> do it. Because it's, it's not like you have to fill out a registration to, like, speak and practice your religion or anything else. <laughs> or bu buy a gun? Do you need, I mean, or buy, is it easier oh, to buy oh, a gun barely. than vote? Right. Oh, it's so much easier to buy a gun than vote. <laughs> And Brilliant. Another, he, uh, Obama thinks ex-convicts uh, should get their vote back because they served their time. So why are they being suppressed? There should be new polling stations and early voting because apparently voting only over the course of one Tuesday every four years <laughs> might not be the best way to, uh, you know, preserve this democracy. Uh, and also, he suggested a national holiday and election day, making it easier to vote. Because apparently, if you do have a job and you only have a few hours early in the day or the end of the day, you might not bother with voting. And uh, that sets up my point, which is it's almost like these things were put in place <laughs> to make it harder to vote in general uh, and, and giving people with schedules that allow for such inconvenience the best opportunity to vote thus elderly people are essentially taking us with them uh that is what is happening <laughs> people also, who have no idea what is happening today or what the current issues of the moment are are voting on the future yes because they have been empowered well to that's do what's so. happening don't you think it's time that you voted according your vote was weighted according to the amount of time that you've got left to live Surely. Oh, God, yes. Surely. So if you're, given that if you're 93, why has my mum, who's 95, got a vote that is going to affect things that, I mean, that's just mad, isn't it? Why, I mean, why did she ever have a vote, my mum? That was <laughs> Oh, dear. Is it voting day, dear? That was, She was like that at 34. <laughs> God, you can't let this. What's the chance of my mum hearing this? Not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Edna from Edna from over the road said she heard you talking about me on the bugle on the podcast. Yeah, that was a very nice thing to say while I was <clears throat> queuing up to book petrol in my mobility scooter. 
Well, Edna is one of uh, one of our contributors to our voluntary subscription scheme, actually. So, uh, and if uh, if the rest of you want to join her, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. Shouldn't Biden just go away? Shouldn't he? If he wants to win. Yes, should, he, he should say just go away to somewhere like a really remote part of Iceland. Yes, and then come back the day after the election. Oh, this is a complete rope a dope situation. It's best for uh, him not to do anything. Let uh, Trump punch himself out, and right at the very end, uh, make a few comments, remind people to vote, and just uh, take it home. I think it's pretty straightforward. I'm, ju- I'm not sure about Iceland, though, Mark, because I'm basically what you're saying. He should he should hide inside a volcano before taking over the world. I think you know, the, the optics of that and the tradition of yes. it are a little bit dodgy. All right, well, uh, somewhere. <laughs> Covid news now, and um, well, it's uh, turns out still still going strong. I'd slightly forgotten about that while spending uh, three weeks face down in the gloriously soothing balm of cricket. Um, uh, Harry, how's uh, how's Covid going in America? Well, uh, it's going bad because there's still an issue with people believing that masks work. Um, right. I th- you know, luckily, I think people are starting to believe that hand washing is effective. Uh, maybe perhaps studying what happened uh, with the Black Plague so many years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it doesn't help that a video was released this week uh, with a bunch of doctors in front of the Supreme Court uh, claiming that you don't need masks and that hydrochloroquine works. And it spread like wildfire on the Internet, millions of views. And uh, it was it was fraudulent. Now, I realize it was tricky, right, because... These doctors, these so-called doctors, were wearing lab coats, right? <laughs> and lab co- anything in a lab coat. Lab coats are extremely uh, hard to find, you know, unless you were a doctor or a scientist or <laughs> an owner of a medical supply shop or a costume shop or a thrift store or had access to any of these stores or knew anybody who worked at a hospital or lab or any of these aforementioned shops and so forth. Or oh, you're a cricket umpire. They wear them as well, essentially. Yes, yes, yes. But yes yeah. I doubt if they had them out there, but that's what it, yeah. when it comes here, it'll be that. <laughs> <laughs> cricket umpires. Oh, it's <laughs> mad. Of all the things, wearing a mask is communism, all that. Oh, <laughs> no. Karl Marx. It is said it is imperative that the proletariat rise up and take the means of production from the from from those from the bourgeoisie that hath oppress that doth oppress us in order that they can wear masks. <laughs> and uh, unbelievable! I just uh, I think Britain and America is sort of competing neck and neck to be the most stupid country ever at the moment. <laughs> just and then oh god! I mean, but I. I I mean, tell me this, Harry, I get the impression Trump isn't really listened to now. Every day he gets up at that thing and saying, I found a cure, it's a pineapple up the ass, it's a fantastic cure, <laughs> or whatever it is. And sort of people don't really take any notice anymore, or do they? No, there, there would be people who would sit on a pineapple. <laughs> there would definitely be videos right now being passed around. With people sitting on pineapples claiming they're cured. That would by no means be the most mental one he's come up with, would it? <laughs> it's so no. hard to get past bleach in the lungs. That's so hard. Right. Like, <laughs> ingest, 
It, it's a strange way to ingest <laughs> pineapple, but it we won't, we won't kill you immediately. It's a no. In, in fact, you might even like it. It'll probably distract you from feeling ill. I mean, right. at the very least. Yeah. This video uh, follows another video called uh, Plandemic, uh, which uh, claimed that underground elites were using the pandemic to make profit uh, and to, uh, to, to, to gain increasing power. And the video was created by Andy Zaltzman so he could <laughs> call the video Plandemic. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do to get a pun. <laughs> no. They're even but here. It's just incompetence. I think is sort of rivals the the madness. And nobody knows the rules now. Absolutely no one. There's a rule now that you can't visit relatives in your house unless what you can do is turn your house into a pub and <laughs> charge charge everyone who comes round nine pounds for a bowl of chilli and then they are allowed round because it's safer to be do that in front of a load of random strangers who are coughing and spitting than it is to <laughs> go and visit your uncle. And now just uh, no one has a clue. Do you know what I was thinking? The rules now, they're like a 1970s game show from Britain and they should have a bloke with a green spangly jacket going. So here are the rules. They're all quite simple. There are six people allowed in your bubble at all times you must stay together unless there are five people in an alternative bubbleette. At no time is anybody allowed inside the kitchen unless they're outside of the kitchen. You're not permitted to travel unless you're going to work or you're outside, in which case you must stay inside at all times wearing a mask while you're drinking as long as you pour the beer over your lap. And if you hear this noise, wah, 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 you can shout, I'm having my eyes tested, in which case you can break all the rules for the next 30 seconds and the first person to climb up a ladder into the self-isolation unit and shout coronavirus with this marvellous set of carving knives. Are you ready to play? No one has a f***ing clue. And then they announce that, and all these rules, right, for all these rules that were introduced when Manchester was put in a new lockdown, the health secretary announced them at nine o'clock at night on Twitter. Because if you want to get across a major new policy in order to prevent everyone from dying, do it at... Who doesn't follow Twitter at nine o'clock at night in paying particular regard to the f health secretary and the dictator <laughs> of the great then next time we are going to announce a policy at 5.30 in the morning during farming today in a, in a language invented by a person in a secure institution I just and you sort of get people going, oh, of course, you know what they're doing. What they secretly want to do is herd immunity. They're not, no, they're just useless. I mean, a Boris Johnson, at the start, so a month ago, masks are de, 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 without useless. They are not, to, you can wear them if you must, but don't but put them in your ear or whatever. And now they're saying, <laughs> now you must. And nobody, there's no wonder nobody wears. I'd go in the shop and wear one. I'm the only f***ing bastard wearing one. <laughs> so then I think, well, what's the point? You know, I might as well just uh, gob over everybody like everybody else. What? <laughs> we well, deserve so to die, don't we? <laughs> That's Discuss. what I'm saying. I've been saying this for finally. Somebody who's on this, yes. We just the poor dinosaurs. They just it was yeah. just bad luck. Yeah. We f***ing deserve this. Poor dinosaurs, if they were watching the Stegosaurus, they'd be going, if we'd had this much warning, we'd have 
fucking hidden from the asteroid. And there'd probably be some <laughs> American, um, American stegosaurus hiding from the asteroid. He's communism. I'm going in. You're letting the asteroid win. Uh, I like you, Mark. They're <laughs> <laughs> speaking my language. I, I do. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, well, scientists in, in Britain have criticised the British government's, quote, shroud of secrecy. Well, what kind of f***ing shroud did you want them to use? Uh, I mean, generally, shrouds are pretty f***ing secretive. Um, also, we need to stop... I mean, the thing is, you, you guys are very cynical about this, but we need to stop the virus knowing what we're planning. So we have to kind of confuse the discourse. We didn't airdrop leaflets over Germany in 1944 saying, have you thought of a beach holiday in Normandy this July, did we? You know, William the Conqueror <laughs> did not have the Bayer tapestry embroidered as a potentially leakable tactics board before the Battle of Hastings, did you? So you've always got to do what your opponent would least want you to do, and viruses hate uncertainty. Uh, exhibit A, Werner Heisenberg, the physics celebrity and quantum mechanic inventor of Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, did not die of a virus. So you can read into that uh, what you will. Another thing from the scientific world, Professor Graham Medley, chairman of the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, the SAGE Committee, who have been uh, advising the, the government uh, through this crisis, uh, has suggested that if schools are going to reopen in September, we may have to close pubs. So, I mean, which is more important to a functioning society, pubs or schools? I mean, it very much depends who you ask where you ask them, whether their children are listening whilst they answer, how much they've had to drink before you ask them, and whether they are an elected politician keenly aware that school kids cannot vote, but wasted booze hounds who've just chucked another ten quid in a quiz machine after failing to correctly guess the capital of Portugal again, definitely can vote. There's a couple of other important questions to ask with this. A, what the f*** does a scientist know about pubs? That square has been snout down in the laboratory for the last 30 years, while the rest of us have been out in the real world, living a bit of actual life inside a pub with people basically exactly like us. And B, why would a scientist want the schools back open anyway? The more kids get educated, the more competition there is on the science circuit, the more threat to Professor Sneezy's cushy little number telling us we're all going to die. No wonder he's floating the ideas that pubs might have to close, knowing full well that Britain will be literally up in arms about the pubs that we fought two world wars for being closed to appease the PC brigade who want children to grow up with hope, knowledge and expectation, even though history shows that all three of those things will be crushed out of them by the unstoppable steamroller of inevitability. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just uh, do schooling in the pubs? Seems, oh, I, I mean, it feels it feels I, like I mean, from what I hear, like you all start drinking at what seven or eight anyway, right? Yeah, so well, just, uh, honestly, honestly, this is true, right? So when my son was eleven, I uh, there was a pub that there was a lovely old pub in Crystal Palace. It's sadly been done up, and all the rubbish has been cleared out the corner and stuff now <laughs> uh, with it, it, with its charm, but. Uh, it was a dodgy pub and I went in there with a mate and my son who was 11 and he sort of sat in the corner and as a joke after we'd had a drink each and it was time to get another one my friend said go on Elliot Elliot's my son go on Elliot you get around him ha 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 <laughs> we had a little joke and Elliot got up and I thought he was going to the toilet and when he come back he had two pints of Guinness and, that, <laughs> <laughs> and it's true it's true and he said, well, you told us to get around him. And they'd served him. He was 11. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good practical education, isn't it? It, 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 um, you know, it? it gives him the life skills for being a British citizen, which shows that, you know, 
for the right price, you can get anything. <laughs> on uh, on which subject? Uh, a new round of um, peerages has been announced. People to sit in the House of Lords, uh, Britain's uh, second chamber. Um, now it's uh, it's evolved. The House of Lords, uh, Britain, thankfully grew up as a democratic end- entity around the end of the twentieth century and largely abolished. Um, staffing the second chamber through hereditary peerages, you know, giving people power based on who their father was. Instead, instead, we made a quantum leap forward to a system where the government can stuff the second chamber full of cronies and make people call them a silly little title like the feudal relic lickspittle grovellers we've always dreamed of being. So, in the latest round of democracy-befouling peerages, the Prime Minister has appointed to the House of Lords a his own brother, B, a Russian media tycoon, Evgeny Lebedev. Now, that is one mogul who will not prove to be a bumpy obstacle. There's a little quip for any freestyle skiing fans out there. Uh, Assorted political (laughs) lackeys. And, and this is the exciting bit, Mark, cricket legend Ian Botham. Now... (laughs) Uh, now, for, for our, our non-crickety listeners, and I'm in a hurry, I'm, I'm, I'm including you. I, I don't know if you, you, Harry, are aware of Ian Botham. No, I am not. No, I mean this is a, a tragedy that you Americans ha- have to bear. I mean, he, he was. I mean, he was one of the, 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 the defining figures of my my childhood. One of the greatest cricketers, England. How, how would you sum up Ian Botham for, for our American listeners, Mark? Well, as a player, he was. He was iconic as a player, but he was just, by sheer personality, so extraordinary that he was someone that you get in sport who manages to transcend sport and becomes a figure just so full of life and optimism that everybody finds him just magnetic. And he's the and he won almost entire series, not quite on his own, but oh, it, it was it was just an amazing player and it must be very very difficult to find anyone else who has been so brilliant in the first half of their life and then so shit in the second half of their life (laughs) as is almost as if like Isaac Newton after he discovered gravity then got a job shoving fireworks up a dolphin's ass just just what's happened to him and he was quite a rebel in his own sort of way he was he was during the time when he was this iconic, talismanic, great English sporting figure, all sport, not just cricket. I mean, people, he, he was he was just so so extraordinary, and um, he was suspended at one point for supposedly smoking dope, and he ref- he's one of the few cricketers who didn't go and play in apartheid South Africa because. Uh, two of his closest friends were West Indian cricketers, and he said they wouldn't be able to look him in the eye. So he was such a he was such a brilliant figure in so many ways, and now he's become this. Well, exactly what was it you just said? Lick spit or feudal relic, whatever it was. He's all <laughs> of those things, and now because he was a big Brexit supporter, that's his reason for being. Unless Boris Johnson is belatedly awarding him a peerage on account of the fact he got 149 not out in a match-winning innings in 1981. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is, it is possible, I and mean, you think you know he was a truly phenomenal cricketer. And if he if he does prove to be as good at legislation as you know in the early years of his legislative career as he was good at fast, medium swing bowling, devastating middle order counter attacking batsmanship, and supernaturally reflex slip catching in the early years of his cricket career, well, then all of Britain's political problems will be solved within about a fortnight. Yes. Um, 
However, if he approves, if he proves to be the parliamentary equivalent of late period Botham, the cricketer selected purely on his name without any justification, <laughs> well, hang on, no, that is exactly what the House of Lords is all about. Then anyway, um, I mean, he's raised a phenomenal amount of money for for for, for, for charity through uh, you know, millions and millions of pounds, uh, and also he took thirteen wickets in the Mumbai Jubilee Test of nineteen eighty, in the course of which he also uh, scored a, a century in a bat- match in which no other batsman reached fifty. But does that qualify him to scrutinise legislation? <laughs> Other sports news now, and sport has yet again been rocked by a scandal. The Barcelona 2020 race, uh, apparently the self-styled Tour de France of international pigeon racing, has been, well, I mean, it's it's been rocked, Harry. Eleven birds have been found dead after a suspected poisoning. The, the race, which is a thrilling race between 15,000 pigeons, over a thousand kilometres across the Pyrenees, uh, with a, a pro, you know huge kind of prize fund, and the, and the celebrity winners uh, often go to go to pigeon stud for a cost of uh, you know two hundred thousand euros to hump as many other pigeons as they can possibly manage. Uh, I mean, it's uh, this, this is probably the biggest the biggest scandal in the history of all bird related sport. Absolutely, uh, most people uh, did not know that pigeon racing existed until this article came out so yeah, yeah it is certainly the biggest news right i mean i, well, I mean I, and what I mean, you are our pigeon racing correspondent you've obviously been a devotee of the sport from uh, since 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 childhood can you explain some of the the, the tactics involved in getting a pigeon to to race 1062 kilometers across a european mountain range um you let them go and they don't really know what's happening and right. they just keep going and uh, the, the people below are like, oh, they just hit the first mark. But the pigeons don't know what's happening, uh, that, that, that they're marks. They just think they're flying to freedom. But, in fact, they're in a race and they had no clue. Right. Uh, so, but they must, you know, they're, they're going in the right direction, though, don't they? Because if, if it was with wasps, it would be very hard to keep them going in the same right, right, right direction, I guess. I don't know. Maybe there is wasp racing. I bet there is. I bet somewhere in the world there is wasp. And I bet it's on Sky Sports 9, somewhere in the world. <laughs> hey, this is uh, Big Freddy coming up now for his third race. Uh, let's have a look at the stats on Big Fred. Suddenly with a with a 3 to 1 buzz ratio and a 4 to 9 on the sting. <laughs> I mean, uh, 11, like the French uh, pigeon racing... I guess they're called the the French Pigeons Fanciers Club, uh, which, by the way, is like the NASCAR of pigeons, or depending on who you are, the Nambla of pigeons, um, basically uh, are, are pulling out all their birds because 11 died. 11. Just 11, uh, which some would call uh, an overreaction. Others would call it a major overreaction. And others would say, "Who gives a shit about pigeon racing?" <laughs> the head well, the of pigeons care. Yeah. The pigeons love it. I still yeah. think the pigeons have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I mean, the president of the, of the French uh, Pigeons Fanciers Club, uh, Philippe Odent, which already shocking that he was willing to give his name for the article. Um, he uh, he said that the people who killed these pigeons uh, were were vultures. Uh, not seeing the humor in naming another type of bird or the real possibility that it could have been vultures. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's, I'll just wrap it up. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, Bugle. Mark, uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. Have you, have, you got any, have you got any online shows or anything to uh, alert our listeners to? Nothing to plug <laughs> until the year 2051, my own funeral. <laughs> <laughs> which we will be covering live on the bugle <laughs> and uh hari well good i will sit next time we speak you will be uh you you will you'll be a parent yes we will definitely be speaking again yes um we'll see andy i really don't know what's gonna happen i i i just at this point the idea of podcasting while holding a child seems highly unlikely but i I'll, i could give it a go if you want yeah could, yeah, yeah why not why, why not i mean that actually sounds like a good title for a for a podcast podcasting whilst holding a child right um right. albeit that in fact almost every sentence that anyone utters these days <laughs> is probably already or soon to be the title of a podcast <laughs> um uh thanks uh so do, do you have any uh any any things you'd like to tell tell our listeners about Sure. My uh, Netflix special, Warn Your Relatives, uh, is still available, obviously. Also, I'm in the Netflix uh, documentary, Spelling the Dream. And uh, my uh, documentary, The Problem with Apu, is available on HBO Max. I have no idea if you can find that in the UK. And I think you should uh, illegally download it if you <laughs> can't find it. Because I get no more money out of this. <laughs> um, well, thanks. Uh, that's great. Great, uh, great having you on as always. And um, in, in case you didn't hear our micro sub sub episode uh, last Friday, uh, Buglers, uh, Bugle merch lives again. Um, just uh, what are we now? T- Twelve, almost thir- thirteen years into the existence of the Bugle, our second line of merch has uh, <laughs> has now now come out. Um, shortly to be followed by uh, a third line, or at least the rest of the second line. Uh, so far, you can choose between. Uh, well, anything uh, that is a T-shirt or a pair of socks, um, and a Christmas—you can pre-order the Christmas jumper uh, as well. It is very much the retail event uh, of the year. I mean, that's actually probably closer to truth than ideally would have been the case. But anyway, there is merch available. Go to the website and click the merch link, and there it will be uh, for your delectation, stroke, disgust. Um, thank you very much uh, for listening. I'll be uh, back on the cricket, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, from uh, Wednesday this week for the first England v Pakistan test, and I will have some really aggressively obscure statistics for any cricket fans out there. Um, Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll be recording and releasing early in the week for uh, for the next few weeks. And we will play you out this week with some lies about our premium level voluntary subscribers. To join them, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. Simon Savident does not think equinoxes are all that special. Seriously, says Simon, who gives a flying one if the night is the same length as the day? It's not as if you're going to get 12 hours sleep and 12 hours of pure, unadulterated partying, is it? They're just another couple of bullshit days concocted by the greetings card industry to shift overpriced bits of paper with sub-primary school-level poems about equal-length days and nights on. Equinoxes are rubbish, blasts Simon. James Gutzel accepts Simon's points and expresses regret that the true meaning of equinoxes has been overtaken by commercial considerations. However, he urges Simon not to be entirely negative about them. Equinox is a lovely word to say. 
Equinox. Go on, continues James. Try it yourself. Equinox. What a great mouthfeel from three syllables. Equinox. Oh yeah, he says. Actually, that does make me want to spend half of an entire day in bed. Soren Anderson does not see the need for fake pineapples. Real pineapples are weird enough as it is, states fruit aficionado Soren, so if you think you need to create a fake version of it, I'd suggest you have deeper problems regarding accepting the natural world for what it is, not what you want it to be. Soren has no trouble, however, with fake cantaloupes. I'm not eating them, for reasons that are no one's business but my own, so frankly I don't care if they're made of actual melon or some oddly realistic resin. Alison Dimter sees a gap in the market for a restaurant-cum-museum in which you can eat all the artefacts, which would be edible replicas, of significant objects from around the world and indeed universe. Alison has in fact just teamed up with celebrity chef Scluton Malvane and the provisionally titled Museum will offer dishes such as a parsnip parthenon and an Egyptian sarcophagus of yummified fruit and carmoon. Rory Guy is right on board with this and sees multiple franchising possibilities. If successful, speculates Rory, we could follow the museum with the aquarium, where you will be able to study the biology, behaviour, physiology and life cycle of aquatic creatures before ending that life cycle by eating them. Educational and nutritious, albeit potentially disappointing if you have a late booking, notes Rory. And finally, Carl Nestor has also fully bought into this strategy of expansion, although his plans for a third branch in the franchise, the Sanitarium, have, I'm hearing right now, just been quietly shelved. I'm just not sure it's the right time, admits Carl, but he insists the Planetarium could be sensational. Seared Neptuna steaks in Jupiter bread? Yes, please. He admits that the Uranus dish might be a tough sell. We probably will have to call it sweetbreads or something, concedes Carl. Here endeth this week's lies. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.